This week's episode is brought to you by Transpose. Transpose is a fantastic tool that allows you to manage your data in a really, really excellent way. It's what data management should be. Head over to productivityist.com slash transpose to learn more about it or listen later on in the show as I talk all about what Transpose can offer you. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy. And this week on the show, I have the author of the new book, The Productivity Project, or The Productivity Project, or whatever you want to, or The Productivity Project, I guess. Uh, as a Canadian, you could say it either way. And Chris Bailey is a fellow Canadian. We've had the chance to uh, get together in Ottawa, and uh, that's where he is based. And I was there speaking, and we had a great time. And this interview was conducted in, in a uh, timely fashion, not just in the fact that it was done in and around the time the book was released, it's been out for a couple of weeks now, but also we wanted to make sure it was done in a way that allowed it to be timed. So this is a shorter episode, but it's a goodie. So uh, take the time now to listen to it and enjoy it. This is myself and Chris Bailey, the founder of A Life of Productivity, the website, and the author of The Productivity Project, here on The Productivityist Podcast. Welcome, Chris Bailey, to the Productivityist Podcast. Thank you, my friend. Are so we, we going to do a singing episode? No, we no, do a singing no, episode. No, 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 no. That that would no? be. I I could carry it for a while, but then eventually it just wouldn't be good. So is that is that a bad idea or maybe the worst idea for a podcast? The two of us. <laughs> what does Colbert used to say? The bad bad idea or the worst idea? Yeah, George <laughs> W. Bush, great president or greatest president? Yeah, I remember him asking that question yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your new book, The Productivity Project, How uh, Accomplishing More by Managing Your Time, Attention, and Energy Better. Now, the whole premise of what we're doing on this podcast, and I, I wanted to turn this into a bit of a project as well, is that Ooh. at the beginning of every chapter in this book, and this is not unlike what you do on your blog, A Life of Productivity, yeah. is you have the estimated reading time. Well, we're going to say the estimated listening time, depending on whether you're listening to the Patreon edition or the public edition, is 20, oh. 25 minutes is the approximate uh, listening time altogether. So, and that the length includes, of one Pomodoro. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about the the premise of the book. Uh, I know, I uh, you know, I mean, I know you lived a whole year of productivity, but and you chronicled it, but you've been living productivity much longer than that. Yeah, it's it's been about a, a decade. You know, and I'm one of those weird people, probably like a lot of the the people listening to this right now, that have just always been into productivity. Um, you know, it's been an obsession for about a decade. And especially during the project, um, the the idea behind the productivity project was I graduated with a couple full time job offers, but um, I decided if there was a time when I should explore my passion, as weird as a passion productivity might be, maybe it's not so weird to your audience. I usually have to explain how weird it is to to muggles, but uh, it's uh yeah. I decided to jump into it as deep as I possibly could for one year and uh, run experiments on myself, like living in total isolation for 10 days and meditating for 35 hours a week, you know, dozens of experiments. Um, also interviewing some of the most renowned productivity experts from around the world, as well as, you know, it was first and foremost, this academic research project that, you know, I, I wanted to get to the boundaries of human performance and, and what makes people tick, especially in a workplace type environment. So, 
yeah, that, that's the idea behind the productivity project. And this book is kind of um, the crescendo for that idea. Now, what was one of the biggest things that you discovered during? Let's talk about during the writing of this book because writing yeah, a book is yeah. the pro, is is a project unto itself. And it, it, I it mean, was actually go ahead. No, go ahead. I interrupted you rudely. No, it, so I mean it, that that's a project unto itself. So I mean. It involves, you know, a lot of letting go of certain things and focusing. So tell us about the the process of writing the book and how it relates to how how it both hampered and probably helped your productivity. Yeah, it was um, it was a big project to to say the least. Um, I went through through a traditional publisher, um, and you know, the book deal called for eighty thousand words, and I wanted to push myself to deliver it. Uh, further, I hit a lot of obstacles in the process, a few of them uh, that I write about. But it, it, it was incredible. The thing that surprised me the most was how much I, I wanted to tilt during the process. So um, I, I have this idea where, um, and it's not a new idea by any means, but where we have seven areas of our life that we invest our time, attention, and energy into. You know, our, our mind, our body, our finances, our relationships, having fun, our emotions, and our career. Um, and I was surprised by how much I had to tilt towards the career hotspot um, in in costing, you know, a lot of the other elements of my life, like, um, so, so I had less time for things like relationships and having fun. It was worth it at the end of the day. Um, and I learned a, a ton, you know, actually writing the book. It's amazing. And you've probably found this yourself, how much you, you, you learn writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, this Look, the the finished project uh, or the finished product, it has so many little nuggets in it that I didn't intend to write from the very start. I had a full book to start with in my head, um, but I was amazed how much I, I learned when I re- researched new th- ideas and contacted new people again. So it was a worthwhile product because it it has the the all the lessons that I learned during the project, you know, as tactical in a way of, as possible. But um, yeah, surprised just how much new stuff came up during the writing process too. Now, one of the things that you talk about in the book, it's very quantitative in a lot of ways, right? Like even, like I said, off the top, yeah. in the beginning of the chapters, how long it takes to read your blog, you had a lot of data, but you mentioned in the book, that, you know, uh, the data is only part of the equation. The quantitative yeah. stuff is part of it. Talk about that. That's one of the things I found when you when I read the book. I'm like, you know, this isn't just a quantitative productivity book. So anyone who's looking to pick it up is not just going to get like, you're, you're not, you know, you're, you're not just going to get quantitative data. There's a lot of qualitative stuff in there, too. That was probably one of the things you discovered along the way. Yeah. And I kind of made the mistake at the start of the project, um, equating productivity with efficiency. Um, but I think that's kind of a, a shallow way of looking at productivity. Um, that I learned, that was one of the big lessons I learned, was that productivity isn't necessarily about doing more, 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 faster, faster, faster. It's about doing the right things and doing those things deliberately and with more intention behind them. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, what you're left with is how much you accomplish. And that involves working with more intention behind everything that you do. You know, productivity isn't about how much you produce. It's about how much you accomplish. It used to be 
about how much we produced when we worked in factories because uh, the more time we spent on our work, the more productive we became because we were able to crank out more widgets in the same time frame. But today, you know, the more you use your brain uh, to, to do your work over the course of the day, the more important that your attention and energy become and the more important managing those become. So if, if you have two people, just as a really simple example, um, person A dedicates 40% of their attention to the work that's in front of them. Um, and person B dedicates 90% of their attention to what's in front of them. The person that dedicates almost all of their attention to their work is going to accomplish uh, infinitely more. Maybe not infinitely, maybe not like expansion of the universe big, but maybe like double or triple how much the first person will do um, in the same time frame. You know, your time is not the only thing that matters. Um, attention and energy are also um, ingredients of productivity that matter too. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, we're going to take a break from the show now to talk about our sponsor this week, Transpose. Now, Transpose is a great way to manage your data because you can search it and and create solutions for yourself, whether it's using some of the solutions that are in the public community or whether you've created them yourself. You can create web forms. You can create recipe books. You can create so much more with Transpose. It's a phenomenal tool, and it allows you not just to store your information but manage it. And I know a lot of people are probably using another tool that that can do this, uh, and it's a tool that's probably been in the news a bit. And I love... um, tools that can do this but what transpose does it's so different is first off it dials down the noise you have customized filters that let if you're working with a team see things that are only relevant to them you can you can really have some smart searching going on you can there's advanced text analytics that are built in there structured fields so you can find what you're looking for in seconds and i know that searching is such a powerful tool my friend steve dotto talks about search being the big thing for him when it comes to a tool like slacker or or a tool like 
any tool that he wants to use to be more productive with. Uh, search is so powerful and important to him. And the other great thing about Transpose is that you can work offline and from anywhere. So whether you're using the the, the web-based application, whether you want to use an iOS version, uh, you can have your CRM there. You can even use your to-do list on there if you want. I, I don't, but you could. Uh, you could have uh, you know, Kanban sorting of projects. One of the things we've been doing is with the uh, with the building of courses and stuff that we're working on is that Transpose is acting as, as a great place to do that kind of groundwork. And the nice thing about a tool like Transpose is that it's got so many things that it does and it it, it really can it can do so many things well that I'm I'm lowering my learning curve for so many other tools that you've probably noticed over the past few months that we've gotten away from writing about apps in particular uh, at the blog and there is a reason for that because apps move and change so much and there's so much out there that you can absorb and what i want to do is get better at using something rather than just learning how to do, use a whole bunch of tools and the academy that transpose offers uh, transpose 101 as well as the youtube videos that you can watch just on their youtube channel really help you get more out of transpose every single day now there are pricing plans but the basic one is free you get 10 solutions two gigabytes of storage and up to two collaborators per solution plus you can export the records to a csv file that's the basic but you could go prime if you want you want a membership card pay annually you get all the benefits of prime monthly which includes public and private solutions unlimited storage unlimited collaborators unlimited white label web forms and solutions white labeled pdfs and reports third-party business integrations which is such a huge thing for a lot of people and then exporting records to excel and pdf you get that annually at 12.49 per month plus if you do the annual pricing you'll also get two months for free you'll get the membership card like i mentioned the access to transpose meetups and a one-hour consultation and setup call now if you only want to pay per month and forego the membership card and those other extra bonuses it's $14.99 a month now think about it if you use a tool like transpose and you find a way to use it and there are ways to use it for multiple things that you're probably paying multiple apps to to, to take care of right now you're you're not going to be out of pocket and I'm a big believer in supporting a tool, in paying for an app if you want it to stick around. $14.99 a month for the solutions and the productivity that Transpose has to offer is, is a drop in the bucket. So I would check out what Transpose has to offer. Again, head to productivityist.com slash Transpose, which is what I said off the top of the show, and check it out. You can learn a lot about what it can offer you because really, when it comes down to being productive, you want to have one place that you can go. You want to know where your data is, you want to find it, and you want to deal with it. And Transpose allows you to do that time and time again. I'd like to thank Transpose for sponsoring this week's episode of the Productivityist Podcast. And that's that's all I got to say. There's a lot there, but man, there's a lot to love about Transpose. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk about your uh, waking habits. You and I have both talked about this before. Uh, the idea yeah. of, uh, you know I'm a night owl. We, 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 hung, yeah, out, we, we hung out in Ottawa. You yeah are you you until three a.m. yeah party yeah. no we didn't no, we did not party until three <laughs> three a.m. Pacific time uh, Pacific time maybe <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um but you you tried early mornings and yeah it, did it work I spent months and, and that was one of the experiments I conducted um, among the dozens one of them was waking up at five thirty every morning um, to observe the impact that it had on how much I accomplished every day um, how I managed my time attention and energy um, and I came to realize you, you know 
it's one of those tactics where everybody likes the idea of being an early riser. So they have this, um, and I include myself in the bunch, by the way. Um, they, they, we, me, I, I had a sepia-toned fantasy of waking up at 5.30 in the morning and <laughs> meditating and going for a run and drinking coffee and reading the newspaper before the rest of the world woke up. Um, but when I shoehorned that habit into my life, because it wasn't easy, I had to disrupt all of my nighttime and my morning time habits. Um, I found that I freaking hated it. Um, yeah. it, it. It detracted from how much I accomplished. You know, maybe I was busier because I worked more frantically with less focus, but I didn't accomplish more. I accomplished less waking up early. And the research that I found um, in writing the book, in doing the stuff before that, in the project, um, it shows that there's no difference in socioeconomic standing between somebody who wakes up earlier and somebody who wakes up later. It's what you do with the hours of your day after you wake up that make the difference in your productivity. And it makes sense, right? If you have somebody, if you have two people that both sleep for eight hours over the course of the night and, you know, one person wakes up at 530, the other person wakes up at 830 and works late like you and I do. Um, really, the only difference is how they manage their time, energy and attention after they wake up. And that's what I found during the experiment is sometimes the well, the idea of a change is always more attractive than what you have to do to make that change a reality. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people fail at the New Year's resolutions they make. But there are also some changes where the idea of them is attractive. And, you know, the idea of waking up early is so attractive that, you know, there's so many BS blog articles of, you know, becoming an early riser to, to increase your productivity. And it might work for some people, right? Because if you have an early riser and they have the right conditions, like they have a family that wakes up later, maybe they'll get a crazy amount done in those hours. But if your biological prime time, you know, the time you have the most energy over the course of the day is different, um, you know, your productivity is going to be different too. And, and that was another, not to ramble on too much, um, because people want to hear you talk too, but um, that, that was another thing I realized over the course of the project. You know, there's this idea of your biological prime time. That's, that's a time coined by Sam Carpenter in his book, Work the System. Um, and the idea is simple, and it's that your energy per hour is not constant. Um, over the day, it fluctuates in a natural pattern um, that corresponds with your circadian rhythm, and everybody's pattern is different. There are some people who have a crazy amount of energy and spring out of bed um, at 6 a.m., and, you know, goddamn those people. And, and there are some <laughs> people who uh, stay up late and have the most energy from not between 9 and, and 12 p.m. You know, my biological prime time is between 5 and 8 p.m. And that's when I do my most important and my most impactful work. And so the idea that your energy per hour is not consistent um, means that your productivity per hour is not consistent. And so that's another way of, you know, using your time wisely because certain times of the day you'll have more energy than others. You know, we, we don't have total control over how we manage our schedules unless we're an entrepreneur or a CEO or something like that. We have more um, than we have more than we give ourselves credit for in a lot of cases. Yeah, we, we at least have some modicum of control for sure. Yeah, a lot of people will say that, yo, I don't have time to do that or I, I my schedule doesn't permit that. But that this all boils down to, and I think what your experiments did, and this book definitely dives into, is the awareness factor. Is the like, hey, you know, and productivity is, you're right, it's about what you accomplish, not about how, you know, how much you get done, but what you accomplish per se. But I mean, yeah. the other thing you yeah. got to keep in mind is that everybody, um, you know, you have more control than you give yourself credit for. You can decide yeah. what, you, I mean, you, there are things you need to do. 
and there are things you want to do. But we often get stuck in the in the and mired in the other stuff that 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 that's the sticky stuff, the 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 the, the quicksand of those those ought to do things. Like, should I do that? Shouldn't I? We get caught in confusion, and we don't set up frameworks because either a the framework that's set up for us um, is is there and we just, you know, follow that that path, which may not be the best path for us to follow. But then the other thing is, is that we don't think outside the box. We don't take the time to be aware to say, hey, you know what, this doesn't work for me. Uh, I could, you know, you, you get stuck in the day to day, the, you know, everything, the busy work, as some people call it. And you don't say, yeah. hey, hold on a second, <laughs> let me step back like you've done and say, you know what, getting up early is one, one thing. But what about what if I didn't get up early? What if I, like what I do and what you do, what if I got done what these guys did at three in the four in the morning, the night before? <laughs> Crazy people. What if I yeah. did that the night before? Because that that happened. I mean, I was on a panel with, with you know, with Hal Elrod, who's the author of Miracle Morning, and and, if, and, and Craig Jarrow of Time Management Engine, and Laura Vanderkam, who wrote What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast. And, yeah. the, and the panel was, you know, they went through all their morning stuff. And they asked me, you know, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, I do it the night before, so I'm ahead of them. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's about, it's about knowing that that's what the expectation is. If, if I was doing, uh, you want to be proactive, not reactive. And I think this, this talk speaks to your experimentation because experimentation, getting the quantitative data allows you to better set yourself up for quality results. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. And I, I think the awareness, that's the, that's the crucial bit. You know, it's hard to have intention without awareness. You know, it kind of starts with awareness, then it goes to intention, then it goes to action. Um, that's the right step to to follow. And the the worst thing that somebody can do for their productivity, I think, is to work on autopilot without taking that step backward to think about what the most crucial tasks in their work are. Um, you know, whether that's on a moment by moment basis by, you know, bringing more attention to the moment, whether it's an hourly basis by, you know, figuring out what to work on, whether it's a daily, ba- weekly basis, um, taking that step back, becoming aware that you can, and then forming those intentions is key. And, you know, the key, I, I think what exists at the heart of productivity is this deliberateness behind what we do. And we can't do everything deliberately. And, you know, we don't want to. Um, If we had to deliberately um, do things we automatically do every day, like eat, uh, it would take us, you know, an hour to put on our pants in the morning. But, But working on autopilot and most importantly, deciding what you work on in the first place on autopilot, um, that that can absolutely destroy your productivity. But if you don't have that kind of deliberateness, I think. Right, right. Now let's talk about deliberate because that. How do you set aside the time to do deliberate thinking and deliberate? Th- because people will say, and this is one of the things that that you'll often hear when people read books of either books or blogs or whatever. Uh, guys like us who are productivity strategists, they'll say, "Well, that's fine for you," but you're like, I mean. You're a single guy, you don't have kids, you're out of college, you know, uh, your, your responsibilities are lower, you know, you lived off a certain amount of income, whereas, you know, the reality of it is some people can't do that. How do you say, yeah. how do you say them? Well, that's all fine and dandy. You're right. Like, how do you take what's in this book and what you've taught, you know, and, and this can apply to me or whoever and say, yeah. look, but this is how you can apply it to your life. Like, it's not just a hard and fast rule for, you know, the... 20 to 30, the, the, you know, mid 20 set that have no kids and, and, and can do it. Like there are ways to say, Hey, hold on, let's, let's yeah. measure my productivity in a way that makes sense. So I can do more of the right things and check off the right boxes instead of trying all the boxes. 
Yeah, I, I've I've been fortunate to get to know a lot of you know corporate executives over the course of writing this book and, and writing my blog, and a lot of people, a, a lot of these executives spend hours every day <laughs> planning what they want to work on without working on a single thing, and so there are kind of two sides to the spectrum, right? There's you know trying to systematize your entire life and spend half of the day uh, planning type end of the spectrum. And then there's, you know, work in response to every little thing that comes your way, um, part of the the spectrum. Um, and neither of them are ideal as far as productivity is concerned. You know, these systems, I think, exist to support the work that you do. They don't exist to replace it, um, but they are essential. They are crucial, regardless of what you do. Um, that, that's why I'm a fan of, there's a rule called the rule of three. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the most lightweight rule I know um, to manage my intentions over the course of the day. And the rule is simple. And I dedicated an entire chapter because of the benefits of it in my book. Uh, but the rule is simple. At the start of each day, you fast forward to the end of the day in your head and ask yourself, what three things, what three main things will I want to have accomplished by the time that the day is done? And that's it. That's all you have to do. It's not some complicated system. It's not some complex rule of, you know, 20 different cascading steps and you don't have to hang a flowchart in your office to do it. Uh, it's so simple. It's so lightweight that anybody can do it no matter how busy you are. And the more busy you are, the more you should do these rules. You know, don't spend all day of them on, on them, of course. But when you have more to do than you have time to do it in, um, becoming more deliberate about what you work on in the first place uh, becomes infinitely more important because you have that constraint on your time. So um, I think the idea that people are too busy to buy into productivity is just bullshit. Sorry, I, I probably can't swear, but you might have to, <laughs> sorry, you have to edit that. But And the first bleep for, for John Polstra, my podcast producer to deal with. But that's, we you came know, so close. We did, yeah. we did. Uh, you know what? We're that's that's a perfect way to wrap up the the this edition of the podcast because now you know we hit we hit underneath the mark. We said approximate. Remember that doesn't include yeah. the the beginning and the end of the show. And this for the public yeah. the public edition, of course. Now now the Patreon yeah. edition is going to get oh. with with your permission. I'm going to provide oh. them with one of the exercises from the book. Oh, so I'm going to read great. that off, and that way they can they can get because there are there are, there's exercises at the end of every single chapter, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got you got to read it off because my publisher always yells at me when I give away like uh, like a PDF of something. Yeah, no, so I'll read. <laughs> so, so you got to read it off. I'll you read, it, read off. it off. I'll read it off, and then people will be able to. So if you if you're a Patreon supporter, then you're going to get this. If you're a public supporter, uh, you know you can go to Patreon.com/slash/productivityist and and support the show, and you'll get uh, the the additional bonus materials uh, there. I like, it. so there you go, Chris. Where can people find the book and find your work online? Oh, man, the book is in bookstores everywhere in Canada, in the United States, in the United Kingdom. It's on Amazon. It's wherever fine books or ebooks or audiobooks. I recorded an audiobook of it uh, a month or two ago are sold. Uh, I'm at a life of productivity.com. It used to be a year of productivity.com, but I figured I could kind of keep doing it and making a living with it, thankfully. Um, so that's where my work is. I'm on Twitter also at uh, ALO Productivity is my like kind of business one, I guess. And Wiggle Chicken is my personal one. Couldn't get Chris Bailey, could you? Couldn't get Chris Bailey at Chris Bailey. It would have been too tough. You'd have uh, like, you'd, you'd, have, 
You'd been like at Chris Bailey, like eight, three, six, five or something. <laughs> even if I could, even if I could wiggle chicken just has this ring to ring it. To it that I can't, you know, it makes me so credible in the productivity space <laughs> that I Twitter name wiggle chicken. So, so that's what I would go for anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for joining me. The book is called the productivity project accomplishing more by managing your time, attention and energy better. It is in bookstores now. Thanks for joining me. And we will talk again soon. Thanks for having me, man. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the show. Big thanks to Transpose for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. Head over to productivityist.com slash transpose to learn all about it. Thanks to Chris Bailey for joining me on the show. You can get his book at Amazon, The Productivity Project, or at all fine booksellers. You can also go to his website, A Life of Productivity. And if you were a Patreon supporter, you'd already be partially into the book because we did an exercise just for our Patreon supporters right on the show, on their edition of the show. Now, if you want to get the edition of the show, you've got to become a Patreon supporter. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and pledge any dollar amount from $1 all the way up to 100 and you will be part of the flock there. there. We even have an exclusive Slack community you can be part of, which means you can get direct access to me pretty much anytime I'm up, up and about. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of the podcast. I got lots more coming up down the pipe. Until then, I am Mike Vardy, your host, the productivity strategist, also founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.